0: Welcome back to the two-man wall podcast. This is match week 13. Crazy to say, it feels like it was just match week one a couple days ago. Uh, I am here back with my co-host and brother, Ethan. How's it going? And this week, a week, a match week we said two weeks ago when we recorded the last podcast would probably be pretty spicy, has lived up, really has. There's, I mean, City of Liverpool, maybe we expected a little more fireworks, but... Newcastle-Chelsea, obviously that was going to be some dark magic, as I like to put it. Um, Luton Town getting a victory, Burnley blowing theirs, uh, Bournemouth getting a victory, Man United getting a victory, and then Spurs losing their third in a row. A lot, a lot to talk about this week. But before we get into that, there has been another interesting development in the last two weeks, and that is Everton. (laughs) Everton. Everton have been deducted 10 points as of right now from the Premier League, um, sitting now on four points, bottom of the Premier League table. And Ethan has dove into this, the because I, I think when the Man, Man City charges came out, it was a little more clear what it was about. I think these, uh, some people don't fully understand what exactly Everton did and why it's been charged so uh, swiftly, as opposed to the
1: 113-plus charges that uh City had there's certainly been a lot of controversy just because Premier League fans are hearing financial you know breaches Everton deducted 10 points for one breach yeah. City nothing's been done for you know 115 breaches so obviously yeah fans are up in arms understandably so so I'm here to give you kind of a more clear picture of what's going on here so as Brian mentioned, Everton got a ten-point deduction, and this was for breaches of profit and sustainability rules, which is literally just another name for financial fair play rules. So <clears throat> this is this is basically just they overspent. It's a simple it's a simple numbers game here. They spent more than the Premier League allowed them. To do. In fact, for the last couple of years, Everton have really been towing the line. And in fact, the Premier League has kind of been babysitting them a little bit. Kind of just making sure they weren't going over this limit. In fact, for the last couple of years, the Premier League has, you know, personally been looking at every like transfer and new contract they've made and actually verifying whether or not they could do that. Um now Everton did, in fact, go over the line. Um, some of the causes of this was overspending on players since pretty much pretty much started in 2016, since the takeover of Farhad Moshiri, the uh, Everton owner. His, his ambition when he took over was to quickly get them into European competition. By spending big on players, and he was kind of gambling on them getting into European places in the short term to generate the European revenue. So he's taking a big gamble there that the signings would work out, and obviously they haven't. and also the fact that they are working on a new stadium, the fact that those a huge expense, like the new stadium, you think about how fiscally smarter Arsenal were when they were building the Emirates Stadium in 2006 for that period afterwards they really didn't spend a lot in the transfer market Arsene Wenger came under a lot of scrutiny because he wouldn't spend big but in the end Arsenal financially were better for it Everton did not take that route and are paying the consequences a bit so After all that, uh, another thing, well, I guess another thing to mention also is that it's a—it's actually a very key thing here, is that uh, currently there is pressure from, a little bit from the public, but also from the UK government for the Premier League to have an independent regulator, because currently the Premier League runs itself. Nobody else mm. regulates it. And so... It's that fact. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so with that pressure now that an independent regulator may come in, the Premier League are now starting to be a bit tougher and a bit more strict because they don't want somebody else to come in and take over these dealings. Interesting. So that's also partially a reason why now, not just with Everton, but also with City, you're starting to see, you know, these things come out. With uh, breaches of financial fair play, mm-hmm. so Everton right now are have been the only real victim of that. Uh, but currently, Everton have appealed the decision, um, and there's some potential, <clears throat> and there's some potential for them to earn some of those deducted points back. It's unlikely that they'll earn them all back because, like I said, this is kind of a cut and dry thing. They couldn't go over a certain number, and they went over that number. And that's just not allowed. Um, Mm -hmm. Another development there is that there's other uh, clubs who are deliberating uh, legal action against Everton for lost revenue. These are relegated clubs from last season. Nothing confirmed there, um, but just another fire or another thing to throw into the fire there um i have i have some faqs that
0: people Mm. might have maybe you'll have to answer uh one is the is goodison park is the spending on goodison park under does that count towards financial fair
1: play or can they spend it however much they want on the stadium um see now that that's interesting so from what i've read um the premier league has said that <clears throat> the spending on the new stadium, um, was the the Premier League said that they weren't gonna count the spending on the new stadium as you know part of their <clears throat> their cap. Uh, the The Premier League yeah. essentially imposed like a bit of a uh, salary theoretical cap, yeah. salary cap for them, yeah. and they said you can the spending on the stadium we're not gonna include in that <clears throat> mm-hmm. now. There was a bit of, I guess this part is not so cut and dry, but I believe that there was a bit of debate over whether certain finances were for the stadium and which ones weren't. And I think that Everton may have not like completely deceived them or tried to like lie, but may mm-hmm. have put some things on certain books. When in reality, yeah. they were really, you know, club yeah, expenses rather than stadium. That's pretty yeah. common.
0: Yeah, <laughs> accounting mm-hmm. fraud. That's just like you know for tax evasion and stuff
1: like that. Um. um so yeah. So I believe I, I briefly read about um that part. I have to go back and get like a clear mm-hmm. uh view on that. But I believe that that was what what you should. I don't know how much that factored into the points deduction, but. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, yes, the stadium spending was deemed to be separate by the Premier League than what Everton were uh, penalized for. Gotcha. Uh,
0: Second FAQ. What is the difference between these charges and disciplinary action and Mm. why City and or Chelsea have not been charged slash not had any disciplinary action against them?
1: Yeah, so this is the big question. Um, And it's because, for the most part, I know maybe that last example made it a bit more confusing, but for the most part, Everton's case was straightforward because it was just a dispute over pure numbers. Whether or not they went over the cap that the Premier League had set for them. And Mm. it appears as though they did. And that's going to be pretty hard to appeal or dispute so it was a bit more straightforward and again pretty much just one big uh charge there then with man city um to use the exact words of the premier league they were accused of not providing accurate financial information in particular with respect to its revenue including sponsorship revenue and its related parties and operating costs so, this is City being accused of deliberately lying, deliberately falsifying. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're fine. This is what
0: the what, what happened over a little uh,
1: close to a year ago, right? When like what is it February? Hmm. Yeah. So, and they've been charged with this. It, obviously, it's 115 charges. So they've been charged yeah, with this many times, they've also been charged with not complying with UEFA's financial fair play hmm. rules. Um, a few of the charges are similar to the Everton charges, where, you know, they are saying that they have gone above the these caps. Hmm. But now they're hmm. also saying that, you know, they've lied about it. So hmm. the thing with that is lying is harder to you know convict it's harder to prove Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah when it's almost a he said she said that's not exactly the case Mm -hmm. here but just in general that's harder to prove and obviously there's a lot more charges Mm -hmm. so that's why yeah you're gonna be looking at a much longer process to get any sort of uh conclusion there
2: interesting wow and chelsea same thing
1: Um, I didn't look into uh Mm. Chelsea's situation too much, just because they aren't being accused of anything right now. I think, um, I thought they were.
0: That's my fault. I thought they were being accused.
1: I think were they being? They may they may be Mm. being accused. They haven't been. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not being investigated right now. Obviously, City haven't been charged with anything, but um. Mm -hmm. They are being accused right now. I think Chelsea, um I think it's been a bit more slightly more above water how Chelsea are spending this much with, you know, amortizing contracts, which UEFA have kind of closed that loophole, but Chelsea have already utilized that. Um obviously that's not the only thing that um Chelsea have been doing. There's a bit more to it. But um I ain't go too in-depth that right now because they're in the clear for now. Obviously, yeah, this it. this whole thing raises a lot of questions about Chelsea, um, but currently they're not on the hot
2: seat. I guess
0: that just about wraps it up for, the, for this <laughs> segment. Is there anything else that you researched that you want to <laughs> spit in there?
1: Um... Not more research, but I think after I mean that was just a lot of uh, mm-hmm. just a lot of information. And now I kind of want to get into a bit more of a debate about this whole situation because yeah. I because I've I've spoken to you a little bit about some mm-hmm. of this, and I know you have some uh, strong opinions. So there's yeah. there's a couple questions to ask here. Um, yeah, the first one is whether or not ten point deduction. If you think that is justified
2: Uh, i don't know i don't i mean i don't
0: if they're if if these signings truly help if they spent more than they should have and that's what kept them up which they didn't stay up by much so literally anything would have (laughs) in theory it's you know you can't really um actualize exactly how much they needed to stay up but um i mean if they stayed up because of signings that they shouldn't have made, then they should go down. That's kind of just the way, it. I mean, theoretically it should work. Obviously you can't prove that they should have gone down. Like, now you're looking at football results, and that doesn't really hold up in a court of law. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if it's clear, to use a P- PGMOL term, clear and obvious, that... Uh, that they should have gone down if not for this uh overspending then they should be sent down and make it a 50 point deduction just make sure they go down you know if that's if that's what you want to say 10 points like i don't understand and i'm not saying i like there's something wrong with the system i just don't know what exactly adds up to like to 10 point who made that determination what would they've need to spend that much more to get a 15 point deduction or that many more charges to get a fifteen point or if it was just over it would have been a five point or a one point deduction. Like I don't know if ten's like a standard, so I can't really say anything about the ten point deduction, but more like I guess they should go down if if they're being if it's true that they breach these laws and that's what kept them up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I have to agree with you there I think I think ten points is is fair because it
2: you
1: No, know, it's significantly um well it's it's kind of hard to say cuz I'm going to say you know it significantly increases their you know chances of relegation and therefore is a just punishment mm-hmm. but that's not really you know what the Premier League is considering here how mm-hmm. they're not really considering how good Everton is on the field mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if they were a bit better club and they were sitting mid-table and they were deducted 10 points and at the end of the season that's the difference from 12th or, you know, 16th, then that's not really doing much. I think in this context it's, you know, it's pretty harsh for for Everton, yeah. but that's kind of just because of things that have nothing to do with their finances just the way they are on the field. So, mm-hmm. And again, it's also kinda of hard to compare because this is the largest point deduction in the history of you know the English top flight. So it's a bit of unprecedented territory. Wow. So on paper to me it seems it seems fair. Mm. Assuming they are yeah. in fact guilty of all of the things they are being charged with.
0: Um yeah, in the interest of time, we do have to move on to some, uh, <clears throat> to some match week 13 coverage. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, up until now, I really didn't have any clarity on the situation. I just assumed that it was pretty egregious since what city did was pretty egregious as well, and they didn't get charged yet. Yeah, I know it's a much longer process, but it, you know, if what city did was truly, you know, criminal activity, they probably would have gotten charged. Um, at this point, at least something, you know, at you know, charging for 10 of the 113 charges, or I don't know. I don't know how the legal process works with that stuff, but, um, yeah, clearly it was something pretty cut and dry for Everton, um, I guess that's what it was, obviously appeal process to come, but we will see, but for now, we move on to some match week 13 coverage, starting off with the big one, Manchester City won, Liverpool won, top two in the table clashing, um, first time Man City and Liverpool have clashed as the two top two in a couple years at least, um... This time it ends as a draw. A big result for Arsenal of all teams. Actually, Spurs ended up not better defending after dropping points. Um, But the goals came from Erling Holland in the 27th and then Trent Alexander-Arnold in the 80th. Um, This one was pretty back and forth. I mean, I think if you're City, you're probably disappointed not to take three from this game, letting up a... Semi late goal after having the opportunity to go up two, three goals um, at points. Foden, I know, had a couple opportunities. Um, Holland, obviously, dangerous the entire time. Although he was marked relatively well, obviously his goal um, came from a breakdown. But yeah, this one, I think Liverpool were probably fortunate to go to the Etihad and get a point, but kind of a testament to their resilience this season.
1: Yeah, I don't know if um if fortunate is necessarily the right word, uh because, because they earned that draw. They, just because they didn't really have the balance of play necessarily. I think, uh, City obviously yeah winning on possession, but just the slightly better quality of chances as well. Um, but Liverpool were resilient. They they didn't let up too many huge chances. Oh, these weren't you know freebies. Uh yeah, I can I can think of the Alvarez chance in the box, which she skied over mm. the bar. Um I can think of the uh the Diaz disallowed goal, which obviously wasn't really in Liverpool's hands there, but I think is is somewhat debatable because the contact on Allison from I believe it was a kanji was yeah. somewhat minimal. Subtle. Based on yeah. precedent. I think it's fair to disallow that goal purely based on you know precedent alone. Huh. if I yeah. was you know making the rules and setting the precedents for fouls on keepers, this is this is a bit of a crusade I've been on this season that uh that refs are too nice on keepers that any contact with them mm-hmm. they're uh they're blowing for, so personally, I think that there's not enough there that like, it wasn't really. Mm-hmm. He kind of maybe had like a hand on like the bottom of the arm or the shoulder, but wasn't really grabbing, just kind of yeah. pulling it there for leverage. But um, but yeah, Liverpool held strong, and they scored a great equalizer. Uh, really, I mean, it was a great finish from Alexander-Arnold, but I think just a really underrated goal a bit because how, of how difficult it is to, in stride, Take that first touch and then so quickly with like almost no backlift, slot that ball in the bottom corner. It was really just a really really well taken goal, um, and I think a, a somewhat deserved point for Liverpool. You think about how much they've progressed since the four one loss at the had in April, um, of this year. So and just uh, was it seven seven months basically? Mm. In, you know, seven months, they've you've come a long way. I mean, not many teams are going to go to the Etihad and outplay City. That's an extremely, extremely high bar and almost unrealistic to expect. But, I wouldn't
0: say they outplay it, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, but just to absorb the little bit of pressure, stay in it, create some yeah. chances of your own, and then get a 1-1 draw away at the home of the three time reigning champions, it's more than impressive from a Liverpool perspective.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I
0: I I agree somewhat I <laughs> I was actually thinking about this. Uh when it comes to like city long term. Obviously this hurts City and you know catapulted Arsenal with the first place, you know, after a crazy crazy 13 weeks with how good Tottenham played and then Arsenal being, you know, not their, you know, predatorial selves, uh, offensively, should I say? Um, but all of a sudden Arsenal just catapulted into first after a couple of results. Um, but yeah, I, you forget that Manchester City don't are missing their, one of their best players, if not their best player in Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. What like arguably the best midfielder on the planet? like, I you just forget with how 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 well how good this team plays and how well they pass the eye test that they're missing their arguably best player like that is insane to me that they will be getting Kevin De back at some point just ridiculous absolutely ridiculous um but aside from that yeah it was it was more of City could have won this game uh City could have won this game without Liverpool, like, needing to, like, like, it wasn't Liverpool's, let me rephrase this. Liverpool earned a draw. They earned, you know, a big chunk of this result. However, Man City could have taken it out of Liverpool's hands because they did have those chances, and they do have the quality to put those chances away, and it would not have been necessarily Liverpool's fault because that's kind of the way just Man City is. Like, there's not many teams that can really stonewall uh, Manchester City at home. And Manchester City generated enough chances to score two, maybe three goals in this game. And it would, not have, it would have taken it out of Liverpool's hands. But Liverpool were given that opportunity and took it. it that goal was a result of some good pressure. Um, and Liverpool probably had the better of the chances in the first half. It was, it was a lot of Liverpool in the first half. So, yeah, they definitely earned a big chunk of this result. I think Manchester City kind of allowed Liverpool to earn that result a little bit. Especially at home. Especially with Holland healthy. I didn't think they were going to get Holland back, which I was, as an Arsenal fan, pretty excited about because I didn't think they were going to really get a result mm. without Holland, um, especially against Liverpool, who are almost fully healthy. So they actually got Holland back because he's a freak and still were not able to get a result in this game. Um, but like I said, they're getting Kevin De Bruyne back at some point. Like Arsenal squeaked into first place with a over a city list uh, or De bruyne city. But, yeah, this is, for Liverpool, for City, nothing to really be concerned about. City haven't been perfect over the last month. They've kind of had some sputtery results. Jeremy Doku, by the way, is probably a top-five winger in the world. Like, he is so good. He is, like, for me, wingers, if you are... Genuinely unstoppable as a winger. It doesn't matter how you finish. You can find there's a place for you in every single team on the on the planet. Because in this team especially, you will get if you they they saw Doku, and this is why Guardiola is such a good recruiter and so good at when he does transfers is that he sees these like unique attributes for players like Jeremy Doku, one of the shiftiest players on the planet. Like, I see shades of Vinicius in him where he just, like, can't stop him once he gets going. And he's like, well, he's a little bit sloppy on the ball, and he's not, doesn't have the best soccer IQ, and maybe he's not the best finisher, but if we can just work the ball around to get Jeremy Doku into one-on-one opportunities, he'll draw double teams. This is why they got Jack Relish. Like, Jack Relish scored, like, 15 goals a season at of Villa. now he's come to uh city not to score goals because that's not guardiola not what guardiola wants him to do he wants him to stand on the wing and either beat guys or get double teamed and move the ball and that's what jeremy doku does even better than jack Grealish. because if you don't double jeremy doku he's blowing right past you and he's feeding erling holland in the six yard box like this is why guardiola is just an elite level manager is because he finds these guys jeremy doku nobody nope, he was on the Mudricks were above him like he, he was on nobody's radar and then uh, i, I won't say nobody's in.
1: radar i mean
0: he's he okay. still he, he, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't like prospect. a martinelli from the depths of brazil but Ooh. he was you know 35 million to an oil club that's chump change that's nothing like <laughs> that's that's basically a, like a free transfer and he came in and has been undroppable for city and he was fantastic in this game too. Generated so many opportunities for City, and that's just like what I think that's what Guardiola really doesn't get credit for. Obviously, they spend so much, but they do it so well. That spent with the rotaries who came in. Obviously, he was a lot of money, but he's been undroppable. Like they spent so well, and I think Toku's is another example of that. Um, other players that played well. I mean, other than the uh, uh, the goal. I'd say, i actually, I guess I can't say other than the goal. I was gonna say Allison had a decent a game besides the goal, but I don't know. Maybe maybe if you let him nah, out, he was he, really he was very qualifies. very shaky
1: this game, Allison.
0: Yeah. Um, but I thought Simikas played okay. Um, on that wing, obviously the other wing got kind of tormented by Doku, but um, I thought this wing. I'm not sure who was on this wing for City. Maybe because he played so well. Uh, it was Foden, right? And Foden kind of the uh. Simicast kind of forced them inside a lot, and Foden had his shots on his left. Um, Slabasly continues to play well. I don't think McAllister played great. I don't think McAllister's been great this entire season, to be honest. I think Liverpool's offense has been good in spite of uh, McAllister, but he's obviously fantastic, and he might hit for him eventually. It's kind of been Slabasly in the midfield. Um, Nunez had a couple chances to score and didn't finish. But Liverpool really good in the first half, and then City kind of came back in the second half um dominated eventually that's how liverpool got their goal was in between those those chances the, that possession um but yeah a good game all around obviously you expect a little bit of fireworks when Man city and liverpool come uh clash but 1-1 can't complain yep newcastle four, chelsea one. it was always gonna happen wasn't it just a <laughs> freaky chelsea game um, they never disappoint, just,
1: never fail they to never.
0: entertain. I must-see TV. Every single Chelsea game is must-see television. It started off in the 13th minute with Alexander Isak. Raheem Sterling gets a fantastic equalizer in the 23rd, a dipping free kick that I didn't know he had in his locker, to be completely honest. Um, halftime hits at 1-1. Then 60th minute, Jamal Sells gets on the scoreboard good for him skipper and then joe linton almost off kickoff steals the ball on a weak back pass and then just slams it home because vicario just didn't refuse to come out and will refuse to come out and uh, sanchez just slammed it home what i say vicario oh my yeah. god sanchez, <laughs> thank you um that would make a three one and then reese james second yellow in the 73rd uh, really no complaints on the second yellow. Um, mm. I mean, he, I thought it was, there soft. was, it was soft. I think the referee thought there was more contact. Obviously he was by him. So if there was enough contact, it was a yellow. Um, maybe it's a no call, but I'm not, I'm not sure.
1: Didn't really affect I the game it, too much anyway. Yeah. So,
0: um, and oh. then Anthony Gordon gets his, gets, uh, <clears throat> um, some insurance in 83rd. It would finish 4-1 Newcastle. A great result for Newcastle considering their injury list right now. Um, they're having to start Luke Miley in the midfield. Who had a decent game. Lewis Miley, sorry. Lewis Miley in the midfield. Who had a decent game. Um, But they got Isaac back, and that was huge. Ooh. Like, really huge to the point where he scored almost immediately. Um, And then Chelsea. Chelsea looked... They still look good and I think they are improving and you, they're definitely playing better than they were in the beginning of the season when they were sitting 11th. I, where are they sitting right now? Probably they're sitting 10th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but when they were like really in the dumps, like 13th um, and just not passing the eye test, not scoring, they were definitely playing worse than they are right now. They're playing through, I, I, even in the Arsenal game where I said they played like shit and got a result. They really weren't playing through Arsenal. They were kind of, it was their press that kind of worked out, and Arsenal kind of folded under that. I think now they're playing through the midfield really, really well. Um, and they had some really, really nice moves, uh, possessions in there that didn't result in goals, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Newcastle kind of just, it's really tough to play at St. James and whoever, whatever 11 Newcastle throw out there, it's just, it's very tough to play there. And with Newcastle's finishing ability, Chelsea's finishing ability, it was always going to be tough to kind of go get three points here. And then, obviously, once the red card hit, it was pretty tough to come back from
1: that. Yeah, like you mentioned, Chelsea, well, I mean, they're still 10th in the table, and they're only one point clear of, who is it? Um, They're only one point clear of a bunch of teams who are mid-table. I mean, they're a point clear of Fulham in 14th and they're mm-hmm. they're closer to the relegation zone than the top 4. So, on paper still still not looking much better, but sure, yeah. Certainly passing the eye test. And like I've like I've said before this season, Chelsea have got to be in full trust the process mode. They can't be thinking of yeah. um even maybe they can think about Europe, maybe Conference League, but they really shouldn't be looking for tangible, you know, Results. They need to be able to just see the progress, you know. Yeah. In and out on you know the training ground and obviously out there on the field. Uh so honestly, that's. I mean, it's hard to say that's the most important thing when mm-hmm. one of the biggest clubs in the world are saying tenth, but yeah, for for the short term, that's really what should matter. And Chelsea still continue to look better. I mean. Key guy, I mean, a guy like Raheem Sterling who you brought in to be, you know, proven winger in the Premier League. You want him to be, you know, a main guy, a senior it's hard, it's mm-hmm. funny saying senior figure when he's only like mm-hmm. twenty eight. He's like twenty six. But he's yeah. But yeah, but he's, you know, he's a grandpa in this Chelsea team. So the fact Seriously. that he is, you know, finding a bit of a resurgence this season is you know, fantastic for Chelsea. I mean, score a fantastic goal in this one. Uh, and yeah, and, and they're getting these performances out of players that they would expect. And, and Cuckoo's coming back soon. Not quite sure yeah. exactly, but I think he's, you know, back in training now. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's on the horizon. Very exciting for them. So, a bleak result, but overall things are trending upwards for Chelsea. Yeah,
0: I think I think it's just a byproduct of pochettino starting a consistent lineup like that's what it's been it's been a consistent lineup and grand potter used to fucking rotate the entire team every single week because he couldn't figure out a lineup that worked and that just made it worse because nobody found chemistry and no it just didn't know how to play with each other It didn't matter how good they were at soccer they were playing against teams that were in the premier league that were rigid and really well managed and they just couldn't get results because they were completely undisciplined and really didn't know how to play with each other. Now, it's a very consistent lineup. Reece James, although he keeps getting injured and not finishing games or getting red cards. It's, you know, Reece James, Set- Tiago Silva's in there, Gallagher's, the Enzos, um I know o- o- Chukwu, I'm not even coming close to pronouncing that right, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> he rotated in for uh Caicedo. Um that was a bold choice by the way to bench Caicedo um but hey that's that's why he brought pochettino and he's not gonna take shit it doesn't matter what the price tag is um but gallagher's getting consistent starts and jackson's getting consistent starts however poor they may be in my opinion at least you know you're not just shifting that guy around the whole time and he's at least growing into the team a little bit um sterling's getting consistent starts it's i i think he's doing the team a world of good maybe not, by not even playing his his number one best lineup on paper, Cole Palmer too. But he's playing a lineup that can gel and he's sticking to it. Batty of is getting consistent starts. Uh, he should get consistent starts. At least I know Cole Wells came out of the lineup. He's playing like shit, but Cucurella is playing consistently. Like, you know, that's what you need. That, that's Premier League teams, Premier League teams that do well, rarely rotate. And if they do, they're man city. You know, when Liverpool went, were in their hot stretch, it was the same 11 every single week. Every single fucking week, you knew what the team sheet was going to be. And that's that's what comes that's what comes with t- chemistry. That's how Firmino and Mane and Salah gelled so well is because they got to know each other. You, you don't want to swap in Modric for Sterling every other week or swap in uh, Maduque for Palmer every other week or all these midfielders or Broha for Nicholas Jackson. It's just not going to work. You're not going to learn how to play with each other. And I think the reason they're... Slowly progressing into a team that is formidable in the Premier League is they're learning to be disciplined with one another and play with one another. Cause it's really difficult to play in the Premier League. You are pressed every single second of the game, especially in the midfield. And it teams take for granted, and fans take for granted how hard it is to play with players you never played with before in the Premier League, cause you don't know their tendencies. Think about Ben White and Bukayo Saka. I'm an Arsenal fan. I see Arsenal play a lot. Ben White and Bukayo Saka. Ben White knows. Almost instinctively, when Bukayo Saka is going to make that little in run towards the midfield or back out and get his one v one, almost instinctively, and that's how they can play well so well with one another, and that's how they create space. There has been none of that with Chelsea until the last few weeks when they started to gel, and that's I think because he's playing a consistent lineup. So credit to Pochettino for that. That being said, Nkunku will probably come in and get a spot in this team um i can imagine kai Seda will work back his way back into this team at some point but then that poses the other issue of holy shit now we have 40 21 year olds in our squad that all need playing time and you can't that's why that's why i hated all this chelsea spending it's because you can't have both you need to start a consistent lineup in order to gel in the Premier league but you also need to get everybody playing time because nobody's going to develop where the fuck is the i don't even remember his name the guy from southampton who they bought the defensive midfielder. Oh, Liva. Lavia? Romeo Lavia. Lavia. Where the fuck is he? He's not Ooh. even in the squad. he probably still hurt. But, like, yeah, those injured. guys, you bought him for, like, 40 mil or something like that? Like, 60 but Like, they put, put the bag on him. He's not even close to this team. Yeah, but I, I even forgot he
1: existed for the last few months. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, these, these guys are, like, never going to develop. And God knows they'll be off to on their, you know, uh, loan spells probably in January. Half dozen of them, at least, but yeah, it's just Axel Disasi was playing well. Now he's out of the team. Like you can't have both. I'm praising Pochettino because this is what you need to do to get results in the Premier League. But also, you're killing your young squad, and that's why the spending was kind of just immature from bully. But again, I uh, I talk about Chelsea spending a little bit too much, so we'll move on. <laughs> Would you like to say something about uh, Chelsea Newcastle?
1: <laughs> um, no, I think you said. I'll touch on Newcastle briefly. Um, yeah. because like you mentioned. Uh, you know, they did get some players back. They have Isak back. Um, they have Almiron who got injured in the Bournemouth game back. Um, and it's just uh it's just a, at least partially revitalized squad. And I think this result kind of shows that the game, the loss against Bournemouth is kind of just an aberration because that was just a decimated team. Uh, so yeah, credit, yeah. credit to Newcastle. This is a, resounding victory almost as resounding as that Mm -hmm. joel linton goal i've never seen a player strike a ball so unnecessarily hard (laughs) like he was
0: fucking mauled it yeah
1: he was three yards out (laughs) like (laughs) sanchez wasn't saving it even if you you know Use your yeah, the inside of your foot. The ball yeah. it would have been like
0: the like uh like anime where the ball like carries him into the net. Yeah.
1: Like he just like <laughs> fully <laughs> charged. Uh yeah. No, that was just that was just if like uh, <laughs> you've
0: ever seen that movie.
1: Um But yeah, not not too much yeah. else to say. But uh I think Newcastle, it's good to see them get back on track yeah. and just get Definitely. somewhat healthy again. Yeah. I, I love
0: Eddie Howe, man. I think he's one of the best managers in the Premier League. Maybe one of the best managers in the world. Like, he he is so, so good. And he doesn't take shit. Like, he's good in press conferences. He's good with integrating new players. God, he moved Joe Linton from a striker to a center mid, and now he's incredible. Was that him or Steve Bruce? That might have been Steve Bruce, actually. Um, I think, it, I think it was Eddie Howe. Anyway, I'm giving Eddie Howe credit for it because, you know, he still thrived under it. Um... But yeah, signings are all good. It's so easy for Newcastle to go out and just, you know, drop a check anywhere they want. But they've their signings have been good. They've been economical. And I, I love Eddie Howe. As soon as he got that Newcastle job, I knew Premier League was fucked. You can ask Ethan.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. You did. You were you were on the bandwagon right from the start. <sighs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Um
0: we move on to our third game, swiftly along. Spurs won Aston Villa. Two Villa going to the Spurs Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and getting all three points. The goals from Giovanni LaCelso in the 22nd minute, a thumping goal at that. Uh Pau Torres in the forty-fifth plus seven. And then Ollie Watkins gets the winner in the 61st after having won disallowed early in the game. And that's how it would end at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 2 1. Aston Villa take all three. Aston effing Villa. Guess where they are, Ethan? They're in the top four. Two points clear of Tottenham Hotspur in fifth, and the elephant, unfortunately, has fallen from the tree. Rather um, quickly. <laughs> and rather quickly. And it's hit the ground pretty hard. Because not only are they down to fifth, but they are still down Van Deveen and still down James Madison, and boy, has it hurt them, Ethan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely has. Uh, still no Romero, too. Again, also mm-hmm. evident when the center pairing is a left back and right back, uh, in Ben <laughs> Davies and Emerson Royale. Uh yeah. Uh it's 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 not surprising. We we talked about it after the Wolves or after the Chelsea game, really, but yeah. even more so after the Wolves game that this Spurs this Spurs squad just you know, we we can still praise Ange Ball and Spurs deserve tremendous credit because they played well in this game. I honestly believe that both sides played really well. And that it was just a very good game of soccer. Very open. Just a shit ton of chances. There should have been three goals by the four-minute mark in this game. Um, (laughs) But in the end, Spurs just didn't take their chances or were offside for half of them. Son scored the offside hat trick in... Yeah. yeah. Timo very Timo Werner esque Patrick. Yeah. Um but yeah, Villa it's just a very open game. Shit ton of chances. That's how that's how Ange ball is in that type of game. You just gotta bank on your team to put the ball in the back of the net. And yeah. they didn't. They were they were good for three goals in this game. Absolutely. But just weren't clinical enough. Villa will take all three points. And yeah. Yeah, you know, rightfully so. They that was the difference. But but yeah, we we kind of foresaw this Spurs run of form because you're missing James Madison, who was probably the best midfielder in the Prem until he got injured. Um yeah. missing Van Devine, Romero, fantastic center back partnership. Uh yeah, it's it's not it's not surprising and with city up next. It yeah. doesn't look like it's going to get better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is always kind of bound to happen. Uh injuries in the Premier League are just they're random but they're also not random because they they happen to everyone. It's very rare that you go an entire Premier League season without some kind of injury. And there's only a few teams, probably only one, confidently, I could say confidently one team that can sustain the type of damning injuries that Spurs have had, and that's Manchester City. Maybe Arsenal, but probably not at the level of Manchester City yet in terms of squad depth. Um, but yeah, Spurs obviously very unlucky that it happened to their best
2: player. But this is a Spurs squad that
0: Ange inherited that was pretty light, I should say. Mm. Uh, yeah you look, the, these, you look at some of the you look at some of the names
1: on their bench in this game and you Lot will not have heard academy of them guys
0: yeah number numbers in the 60s mm. down there um 63 and 65 on the bench they came straight yeah. from the academy i can only imagine um but yeah they're i mean backup wingers are like brian heel backup midfielders or giovanni laselso that's just not that's not that's not a top four. In this era of the Premier League, that's not a squad that's going to get you top four. Their first 11 contending for the title. Obviously, that's what they were doing for the first, 13, first 10 games. However, you'll never play your first 11 for 38 games. And not in the Premier League. Not ever. Not now. Not ever. Really not before. I mean, maybe before because, you know, the Ryan Giggs and the Roy Keane just refused to come off the field. And there were much different health regulations back then but that was more a byproduct of the medical system in the Premier League and not a byproduct of injuries um but yeah you'll never go through a Premier League season and see at least one key player not see at least one key player go down for at least a couple games and obviously Spurs have drawn the short straw a little bit on that end um I think that they'll rebound a little bit. I think that losing three in a row is a little bit unlucky. With you look at the way, if you look at how they've kind of done it, that Wolves loss was unfortunate. Obviously, a really nice goal, and then a silly goal to to let up. You kind of just lost Lamina. Um, but again, those are two goals in the last ten minutes of the game, and then here they actually go up one nothing, and. You know, byproduct of maybe soaking up a little bit too much pressure, but this game is at home. So, and obviously, Aston Villa on great form right now. But you look at the nature of this loss, and honestly, didn't need to be. Even with the how thin their squad is, really didn't need to be. They generated enough chances to go up by two before uh, Villa got back into it late in the first half. And I expect Tottenham to rebound. Um, and still have top four well within their reach by the time they get Madison back, um assuming they do get Madison back and Vanveen, and also they've got January, and they've and just provided the Spurs board with a manager they can trust and back, so I believe he will get some money and I hope his recruiting is as as good as his managing because if so, they can strengthen and replace these four, five academy guys that they currently have on their bench um, with some actual footballers and make a run at top four because it's getting tight up there. And now you've got Asin Villa seriously in this race. And United have snuck back into it too. They haven't looked... It hasn't been pretty, but they've snuck back in there four wins in their last five. We'll get to them later. But in this congested of a, a title race, let alone top four race, it's going to be difficult. But they'll be there and there about for the next thirty games or twenty games. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, Spurs are only two points clear of United right now, so you certainly have yeah. to say that United are in the conversation or definitely will be soon uh, for the top four. Uh, but on the flip side, we talk about <clears throat> talk about uh, injury luck. One of the very few sides I've been on the right end of that luck is Aston Villa. Yeah. I mean, other than Lose losing, player, yeah. other than losing Mings, uh, in that game against Newcastle, which is very they're tough captain. because yeah, it's your captain and probably gonna be out for pretty much the whole season. Um, they've been pretty much healthy all the way through, and uh, it's clear to see the results of uh almost fully healthy squad thus far in the prem this season because now they're sitting pretty in fourth place, so. Fantastic for Villa. They deserve all the credit in the world. Unai Emery has built a fantastic side that have been really fun to watch. But a word of caution, because almost every other Premier League side has been hit with some really bad injury spells already. And it's bound to come for Villa at some point. And we'll we'll have to see how they respond
0: yeah well there were the team that maybe could survive something like this jacob ramsey's coming off the bench now um leon bailey's coming off the bench if they lose Diaby. um yon duran obviously he's no ollie Watkins, but he's actually scored some <laughs> been a pretty decent help off the bench this season obviously yuri tillemans in the midfield so mm. they can sustain one or two injuries here and there i honestly think they can sustain an injury better than Spurs can at the moment. Oliver Skip and Hoiber are not exactly the best options off the bench. Um, Eric Dyer in defense, like, it's not pretty back there. Um, but yet, obviously, the injuries are something that happens in the Premier League, and they're in Europe too, so there, there's another added uh, cost to their legs. So, yeah, I think that their form will cool down, but right now, I don't see any reason why it should. And with that, we will move on to some scores from around the grounds. To round up Match Week 13, starting off with Sheffield United 1, Bournemouth 3. Another massive, massive, massive three points for Bournemouth. They now sit 12th. Seven points out of the relegation zone. Pretty massive for this early in the season for a team that a lot of people tip to go down a lot of that has helped to everton being dropped down to four points. That being said, what's that to bournemouth right now? Um obviously if they get those everton get those points tacked back on if they win their appeal, doesn't look like they will, but if they do or at least some of them tacked back on, that could change, but right now sitting pretty pretty 7 points clear of relegation. Sheffield United on the other hand are the ones they are sitting clear of 7 points in 18th, obviously benefiting from that everton point deduction as well. Now in 18th, when they were previously in 19th. Um, but still four points uh, from safety. Luton Town sitting on nine and 17th. <laughs> Nottingham Forest, two. Brighton, three. Brighton go to Nottingham Forest and get all three points. Anthony, Anthony Alonga opens up in the third. Evan Ferguson equalizing in the 26th. And then Xiao Pedro in the 45th plus four. And then another Zhao Pedro penalty in the 58th gives him the 3-1 lead. Uh, Lewis Dunk gets a red card, I believe. Was this for descent, Ethan?
1: Um, yes, I believe so. Yeah, because he wasn't the one who committed w- the foul. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So was for descent. I think Bolt. Yeah. it was two yellows for descent, I believe, too. Not just a second. So interesting. I'll have, uh, I'll have to double check. I believe check he's that. the captain
0: there. That's that's tough to watch your captain get two yells for, for dissent.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Um,
0: but he gets sent off in the th- 73rd. Gibbs-White scores the ensuing penalty, but it would not be enough. Brighton go and take all three.
1: Much needed three points for Brighton. I think they are winless in, what, yeah. five games maybe? So. Yeah, they
0: drew like the last five in a row. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Burnley one, West Ham two. Jay Rodriguez, 49th minute penalty, has Burnley winning for all but the last 10 minutes of the game, where Dara O'Shea gets an own goal in the 86th to equalize, and then Thomas Suchek in the 90th plus one to take all three at Turf Moor for West Ham. A brutal, brutal turn of events for Burnley that needed points in the absolute worst way. Um, But they come away with none from this one. They sit. Dead bottom of the Premier League, even after Everton's 10-point deduction on 4 points. Negative 22 goal differential for Burnley. Companies Burnley. That is more than disappointing so far when you consider what they did last season in the championship. Luton Town 2. Crystal Palace 1. Speaking of relegation-threatened teams getting wins, or speaking of relegation-threatened teams, Mm -hmm. this one got a win. Luton Town now sit four points above Sheffield United in 18th. They sit 17th. A huge three points for them at home against Crystal Palace. This, uh, the winner came from Jacob Brown in the 83rd. Uh, Tendon Mengi opened the scoring in the 72nd. And then Michael Elize scored an absolute worldie. Uh, would be the goal of the weekend if not for Alejandro Garnacho. And we'll get there in a second, um, but Michael Elise banger in the seventy fourth. Jacob Brown winner in the eighty third. Sees the Hatters, I believe, is what mm-hmm. the Luton Town team uh, nickname is. Um, take all three.
1: Yeah, big win for them. First home win. So, uh, especially after the the Liverpool game where they were so close to getting yeah. a historic win, it's nice yeah. to see them uh, get three points.
0: Brentford nil, Arsenal one. Who else? Who else but Kai Havertz mm. would get the winner for Arsenal? Um, this was—I'm not—I don't know if this is going to spark anything
1: for Kai Havertz. I don't think it will, but it's nice to
0: see him produce something.
1: It was Arsenal. more than I could have ever hoped for in terms of his contribution to Arsenal Football Club <laughs> this season. I'm—I'm I'm happy <laughs> with this. Like, yes, I'll want more from a 65 million pound signing, but. If you asked me we'll last week this if this is if this is his only contribution for the rest of the season, I would have taken it. Absolutely. Yep. Just I mean, it was just such disbelief when we were watching that. Like <laughs> almost like tears of joy. Like we just yeah. we just couldn't believe our eyes that it was Kai. I wouldn't want it to be anyone else, to be honest. At that point no. in the game, wouldn't have wanted it to be anyone else. Nonetheless, Arsenal
0: get all three and hop over the City and Liverpool draw. They both drop two. Arsenal take all three. They hop over both of them into first. They're one point clear at the top of the table. Brentford, on the other hand, eleventh on sixteen. They have cooled down a bit after a pretty hot start. Everton nil. Man United three. Now we'll get to that Alejandro Garnacho goal. Just a honestly like picture perfect replica of the Wayne Rooney goal. That was unbelievable. How like identical that was?
1: <laughs> yeah, one of one of the greatest goals in the history of the Premier League. Um, almost, almost confirmed goal of the season already. Like, yeah, doesn't get any better. Just absolutely phenomenal. I'm not, I'm not a United fan, but I've watched that goal like 50 times. Like, it's just, it's yeah. just beautiful. Yeah, ruined it by doing a Ronaldo celebration. Honestly. Yeah, because that's gonna go on.
0: For, he could have he could have put his personal stamp on mm. one of the greatest goals in the Premier League, and instead decided to do the Ronaldo celebration.
1: Because you like, think about five. the you think about the Rooney goal too, yeah, you know, that iconic yeah. like you know, yeah, I- out, absolutely like, iconic. Nanny <laughs> and now going are like, just like, yeah. <laughs>
0: mm. Oh my god, uh, whatever. He was probably just too shell shocked, honestly. What is he like? Nineteen yeah. years old?
1: They're not. Um, Argentina is not gonna let him into the. Uh, into the camp yeah. after after all these <laughs> Ronaldo sellies Seriously.
0: Um Rashford gets his in the 56th off a penalty and then Anthony Martial in the 75th seals all three for Manchester United. Um at Goodison Park, Everton needing points now more than ever could not find any against Manchester United. And last but not least, the game that ended today Fulham 3 Wolves 2 secretly a thriller <laughs> at Craven Cottage. Um Alex be in the 7th. Mateus Cuny equalized in the 22nd. Then the first of two Willian penalties in the 59th. Wang Yi Chan gets his own penalty in the 75th. And then a 94th minute Willian penalty seals all three for Fulham. And it's it's been a pretty interesting season for Fulham. Probably not passing the eye test when it comes to what we expect from Fulham. However... They needed these points in the worst way. They've taken one from their last four uh, before this, finally taking three points. Uh, Wolves, on the other hand, playing really good football, probably unlucky to take, not to take a point from Craven Cottage, um, but certainly for a team that, we, uh, that I had pegged for relegation and many other people did as well, still a pretty encouraging performance from them. And that would round out Match Week 13. Let's move swiftly through some Match Week 14 predictions. No closing segment this week. We had a lot to talk about with the Everton stuff, so we want to keep this one at least maybe under an hour. I think we went over an hour even. but Yeah, um, I think we already surpassed that. but. (laughs) But we still need to get some predictions in, so we'll do that right now. Starting off with Newcastle hosting Manchester United at St. James Park. Ethan, what do you got?
1: Yeah, uh, an enticing fixture. Newcastle only growing stronger as they get players back. And United, looking better, looking better. They got Rashford on the score sheet for the first time since September, like that uh, Arsenal yeah. game. So he's on two goals. Havertz is on two goals. The Golden Boot race is going to go crazy. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, the, this is this looks to be a good matchup. But I kind of always, not always, but I always like to back Newcastle at Saint James's Park. Ah, mm. uh, I'm gonna go with a one 0 victory for them there. I think I think it's gonna be more sure. similar to the uh, the Arsenal game that we saw a couple of weeks ago. I know Chelsea, mm. yeah, you know, they're always that game. Whenever you're playing Chelsea, you're always gonna produce entertainment. Ah, uh, but. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a bit more KG in this one.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I don't I, I still don't think Man United are playing like deep that well. You know, they're getting results, and that's you know, if you want to say that's playing well, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you because Yeah, that's getting getting results in the Premier League is playing well. If that's that definitely one way to look at it. However, I think that their actual football form is going to catch up to them at some point and I think it's going to happen this weekend I think Newcastle coming off a really nice performance getting Isaac back is huge Gamarish back is nice off suspension um maybe they get Botman back potentially I think he might be out for a little bit longer but um I still think that they're uh, Anthony Gordon still on really good form uh I like them by at least two goals in this game. So I'm gonna say three one Newcastle. Isaac Brace. And last but not least, Manchester City hosting Tottenham Hotspur at
1: the Etsy had. Ethan, what do you got? Um first of all, I have a very uh entertaining game. Uh no doubt that Ange, no matter the opponent, no matter the personnel he has out there, he's gonna take the game to City. He's gonna be pressing them. Uh, unfortunately, I don't see that working out very well because <laughs> pressing City rarely works out very well, especially with the personnel that he does have out there. Um, I could see, I could honestly see City playing as many as five past Spurs. Wouldn't be surprised if that happens. That's not what I'm gonna predict. I'm gonna predict a uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict a four two victory for City. I, I really expect to see a lot of goals in this one. Um huh. Spurs, they're on a three game losing streak, but I genuinely feel like they're still playing well and they're passing the eye test. And I think they're gonna put a couple past city, but again, just they're just gonna be so open and city are going to have their way.
0: I don't know. I, I, I smell some tomfoolery in this game. I smell some serious
2: just weirdness. Spurs
0: always have Tottenham's number. Always. Guardiola, I know this game isn't at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but Guardiola has not gotten a win at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yet. This is at the end's
2: Yes, I know. I, I preface by saying that. Oh.
0: <laughs> um, it's just one of those ma- fixtures. I, I feel like this is like a 2-2. Really? Don't I, but on the other hand, they're playing Davies and Emerson at center back, and there's no way they're going to be able to contain Erling Haaland for 90 minutes. But I just feel some dark magic in this game.
2: I'm going to say 2-2. Go with my gut.
0: And that rounds out the podcast for this week. Match week fourteen coming up. Another set of tasty fixtures coming up. I'm, I'm glad. New, I'm glad we have a Big Seven now, borderline a Big Eight with Newcastle because now we get two matches, like almost two matches a week that are like box office, mm. which is nice. It's it's really nice, and you got to throw Brighton in there too, like some really box office fixtures every week. Um. And now Everton are fighting for points at the bottom. Like Wolves are playing well and could take points off anyone. Like every week there's like six matches that are like you probably should have watched at some point. It sucks <laughs> that like four of them are on at the same time. Um
2: but with that we will say goodbye. Adiós. See ya.